Welcome back to our study of God's Word. We're in 1 John, and we're studying verses uh, 7 through 12. We're almost finished with this little section, but I wanted to close it off today where he talks about our obligation to love, where he says that because he loved us, we're to love, we're to love other people. And, and as, we, as we become recipients of that love, it overwhelms us to think that God in mercy and grace and without any deserving on our part, without any, anything on our part that says, hey, you should love me, but everything about us that says, no, you shouldn't love me, God says we are loved, and he sent Jesus to prove that. Now, we who are believers and who have received that love are to love one another. Paul said that we're to know, owe no man anything except to love one another, Romans 13, 8. And, but we can't really love like that. Only God can enable us to love like that. And it really is a daring thing. It's a powerful thing when we begin to love one another. And he says in verse 12, no one has ever seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. I think what he's saying there, if you want to see love in human form, see a believer who is loving people in spite of who they are, in spite of what they've done, unconditionally loving those around them, loving family members, loving friends, loving enemies. That is evidence of love, and that's how you see God. You see God's love manifested and that shows us that he is real that he is true that he is all that that he says he is so it's important for us to manifest this love this this part of the chapter is really encouraging because it encourages us to know how much we are loved and how much god wants to love through us so that our world will be a different place and people will come to know that love even as we do but he continues that in verse 13 let me pick up and read some of those verses This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has, no, has to do with punishment, but the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. But whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. It's amazing how our problems and our needs are met when we open ourselves up to God's love. You see, God's love, when received and enjoyed, meets most the most desperate desires and the most pressing concerns of our lives. What are your personal needs today, and what are the problems that you have? My experience in life and in in, in being involved with hundreds of other Christians across the years is that this love which God gives gives us the things that we basically need to live life. You see, one of the things is assurance, certainty about our relationship with God and about who we are 
and about our identity. Well, all that comes when we receive Christ and his love begins to be real to us. And another one is what about, the, what about life after death? What about the future? Future here and the future hereafter. And all of that is, is, is solved. And that's what he's talking about here. All that is solved in the love of God. And then what about fear? And, and fear is something that everybody experiences. But if we don't have God's love, then fear cannot be diminished from our lives because the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So let's look at those three things that he mentions here that we receive as we, as we let God's love permeate our lives. First, assurance. God gives us certainty and assurance. And he said he does that by giving us his Holy Spirit. When we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives. Well, how do you know you have the Holy Spirit? Well, it's not just by some gigantic feeling that you have. It's not because you can work miracles. It's not because of such things as that. It's, it's, it's in a certainty down deep. I know when I came to know the Lord, even as a boy, there was a new kind of certainty in my life. There was a new kind of assurance in my life. And there was something in me now that made me know I'm right with God. I'm okay. I've trusted Christ. I'm a believer. I belong to him. And that's why he says that the way we know this and have this assurance is that we must know the Father and the Son, and that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You see, the the apostles witnessed to this fact. They bore witness that this was all historical, that Jesus really was, that he came, that he lived, that he died. Now, the Roman emperor claimed to be the Savior of the world in the time that Jesus was on earth. And people bowed down to worship him, and if you worshiped anyone else, it was really considered a heresy, and your life was in danger. But only Jesus is really the one who can provide that certainty. And when we confess Jesus as Son of God and Savior and Lord of our lives, then it makes a difference. And the idea here is it's an aorist tense, which means it's a single, decisive confession. We must come to the place where we decisively say, yes, Jesus, I really am committing my life to you. Baptism is a picture of that. It shows that we've made that decisive decision that to trust Christ as our all in all, as our king, as our Lord, as our master, as the one who makes the difference for us. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit within enables us to confess Christ like that. As we say, Lord, I want to confess you, the Spirit enables us to do that. In the first century, those who confessed Christ openly faced tremendous persecution. They often lost their lives. They, they lost their families. Uh, they were a lot of times denounced by family members. They often lost their jobs. Uh, they lost their homes. But they were willing to take that position and to stand. Their baptism was usually the symbol that they had taken that stand. For us, baptism most often does not mean any kind of persecution for us, but that was a testimony to the world that they were a new person, that they were a different kind of person, that they had trusted Christ. Baptism in and of itself doesn't have that power, but it's our commitment to Christ that brings us to that place, and baptism is a picture of what is taking place when that happens in our lives. So this certainty, this assurance that we really want to have in life about who we are, our identity, and, and how we belong to the Lord, that comes through God's love that he gives us. 
when we trust Christ as our Lord and Savior. We'll pick up from that and go on.